Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Have you guys, who here has been to the plaza? Kansas City Plaza? So like a few of you. Have you ever seen the, if, if you haven't been to the plaza, have you been to the Anywhere where you've seen the horses carrying the carriages, you know, and, and they have these blinders on. Have you seen that? Yeah. You know, do you know what those blinders are for? Yeah. They keep them from di- being distracted, from, from getting jumpy because of all the stuff that's happening around them. You know, it, it, and in effect, it keeps them on point and keeps everybody safe because of it. You know, and you and I were called to keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. (laughs) We're called to put the blinders on, to keep ourselves fixed. And I think practically speaking, one of the ways that we do that is that is that, you know, when we're on the mission of life and you know, we're we're pulling our carriage through. It's like, like there's, there's so much stuff going on around us that wants to trip us up and cause us to believe something other than the Word of God. Uh, maybe that's about ourselves. You know, we begin to believe something uh, of, of ourselves that, that maybe we don't have what it takes. You know, maybe you're in that season right now. Maybe you're in that season right now where you're just, you're hearing that enemy bombard you and and perhaps maybe some of you, maybe you're in a position even and you're kind of going, like, I just don't even know if I'm even supposed to do this anymore. I don't know that, you know, maybe you're in a marriage that you're feeling like that in. And the enemy is just speaking these lies to your, to your, you know, to your brain, to your soul. And, and I think this, like, keeping our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith is, is in a sense, it's, it's, it's recognizing that there are these distracting words being spoken over our lives from, every, from, this, from everywhere, from every angle. And it's this sense in which I go, no, that's not true. And the blinders that I put on, like keeping my eyes fixed on him, is the declaration of his truth over the lies, his truth over my circumstances. You know, those moments when I'm tempted to kind of go, maybe I'm not enough, you know? And, like, and how many of you know the enemy is so famous for using like partial truths too, right? Because I, so, I could be the first one I'll tell you right now, I'm not enough. I'm not enough for anything I've ever done, right? But I'm not the only one who shows up anymore, right? When I show up, Jesus shows up with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. Right? And so, so you hear these, you're bombarded by these voices. Oh, you're, you're not enough. And it, and, it, and it catches us, and we're tempted to let down our blinders and kind of look off to the side and kind of go, yeah, you're right. Like, that's right. I, I, I'm not enough. And we can get so fixed on, on, on that, like that partial truth that we miss the reality, as I just said, that in this sense, he's with us. And that's the blinders. It's like, no, I, I hear the enemy. I see the trappings of the enemy. I hear that voice. I know that it's a lie. It's not God. And I'm keeping my eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of my faith, who with me, I can do, with, or with him, I can do all things. Like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay that I'm not enough because with him, he completes me. It, it's, it really doesn't matter what I bring to the table anyway. We're talking truth right now. Like, it doesn't really matter what I bring to the table anyway. He's still enough. Whatever awesomeness or whatever lack I bring to the table, it just doesn't matter because he's still enough. 
right? And it's the blinders that, that we fix on ourselves that we kind of go, no, no, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, no, he's never going to leave me or forsake me. Like, no, he really is with me. He's God Emmanuel. When we're tempted to kind of go, where are you? And every single person in here, if you've been saved more than a day, you've probably prayed that prayer or thought that thought. God, where in the world are you? I mean, that's where the poem of the footprints in the sand comes from, isn't it? Because we've all experienced that reality. We're like, why is there only one prince? Because I was carrying you, right? Like, like that's, the, that's that reality where we're tempted to go, I feel like I'm all alone in this. I, I, I literally feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like the heavens are brass. I, I feel like I can't hear you. I feel like I have no breakthrough in my life. I feel like the provision's not showing up. Is this resonating with anybody? Because I'm pretty sure I'm hitting the, the, the gamut of experiences that we've had in our life when we're tempted to be derailed, like when we're tempted to take down our blinders and kind of go, yeah, wait a second, where is God? Like it's that reminder to go, no, put the shield back up, put the shield of faith back up, put the blinders over your eyes and keep yourself fixed on the one who will provide for you. On the one who sees every detail of your life. On the one who says that you're of infinite more, infinitely more value than the sparrows. And yet even the sparrows, not one will fall without him being aware of it. Not him being involved. Right? Like, it's, it's keeping our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher. Yes, God, you're good. Yes, you're for me. Yes, I don't need to know the future because you got it, no matter whether I'm read in on it or not. I don't need to know about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough concerns of its own. I'm just going to keep myself fixed on you. Because you're, you're really good. And that's all I need to know. I just need to know that you're really good. I just need to know that you're with me. I just, I'm, just going to take some, I'm just going to spend my time with you. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. I'm not going to allow the enemy and his voice to get in there and twist me all up. Father, this morning we ask that you would cleanse us from all of the voices from the voice of the enemy who tells us that we're not enough, that we're not good enough. You know, that that sin we slipped into last week is going to completely derail our whole destiny. <laughs> that we've been disqualified. You know, in those moments when we go, wow, I don't even know why God entrusted kids to me because I suck as a parent. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that way? Like in, the, in, those, in those moments when we go, like, wow, I coached myself coming into this conversation with my wife, and I knew what the buttons were, and yet I just fell right into it. Where the enemy wants to convince you, like, oh, yep, it's all over. <laughs> no, Father, we stand right now against every negative word spoken over every lie. And Holy Spirit, we give you this moment, and I pray that you would start something in us that you would begin now to expose those lies that we've been believing that have been twisting us up and moving us into complacency in our faith. Those lies that we've been believing that have kept us from pursuing you and your heart as the main thing, as the only thing. Those lies that we believe, that, that we say that the, that, the, that the world is more entertaining, that the world has more to offer than you. Well, we know the world's shouting that, we cast it down as a lie this morning. Would you, Holy Spirit, expose every lie we've been believing that's got us twisted up, that has us feeling less than when you've called us more than conquerors. <laughs> more than conquerors. 
the head and not the tail. Children, not orphans. And we declare the truth of your word over our hearts and our minds this morning. We're children, not orphans. You haven't abandoned us. You've bought us with a price and grafted us into your family as if we were never separate in the first place. We've been justified. We thank you for loving us beyond what we could think or imagine. You know, someone once said, maybe I've said this before, I heard someone say once in regard to orphans and adoption and that, that there's kind of a prevailing sense that it's like, well, you were, you know, you were, you were unwanted by your parents, you know, and, and so like somebody threw you like a mercy card and they adopted you, this kind of a thing. And somebody said, no, that's, that's not true at all. Like we, we have kids that, you know, are our own, but like we didn't get a choice on them. Like we were stuck with what we got, you know, like, but an adoptive kid, like we got, we had a choice. Like, and in most cases, people are going into massive debt and, you know, spending a tremendous amount of money and pain and heartache in order to pay a price to graft those kids into their families. I mean, think about that. It's like, it's like the Lord redeems it all, doesn't he? It's like, and, and, and there's not an orphan in this room unless you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, in which case I'm telling you there's a solution for your orphanhood. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not an orphan in the room. We've been, we've been bought with a price. He paid it all for us to pull us into something. He, he chose us. You know, before the foundations of time and the earth, before it all began, he already saw you right where you are with all your mistakes and, you know, and screw-ups and all your sin and all your troubles. He saw you right where you are, and he decided you're worth it still. And he paid that price for you. <laughs> Went through great pain and torture and time, investment of energy and emotions in order to go after you, in order to say, no, you're still priceless regardless of what you've done. And Jesus, this morning, we declare that over ourselves. We say, we are priceless regardless of what we've done. Why don't you just declare that with me out loud? Let's say, let's say here we go. I am priceless regardless of what I've done. So, <laughs> Did I say it different? Let's do it again. I am priceless regardless of what I've done. Do you believe that this morning? Because he believes it over you. Yeah, he believes it over you. He believes it over you or he would have never spilled his blood. That's a big deal. We get to remember that. And I mean, we, we, we should honestly, we wake up every morning and kind of go, man, I'm redeemed. Like, you know, but the Easter season is like this memorial stone that we get to look back upon and kind of go, man, I'm wanted. Like, like I, it's more than, more than wanted. Like, it was more than just a desire. Like, the God of the universe, like, acted on his desire and went after me even while I was yet still a sinner. Even while I was yet like rejecting him and spitting in his face and refusing what he had to offer, he was like, that's okay, I'm going to do it anyways. You know, it's a, it's a reminder, it's a memorial stone of the, the reality of his sacrifice, the reality of his infinite goodness, of his infinite love for you individually. Now, Jesus, this morning, we just say, we welcome and we receive this love. We welcome and we receive this love. 
Let it wash away all of the stuff that people have spoken over us. I feel like in here that there's some people. Sorry, that's the way it goes. Who your own fathers have spoken things over you. I'd be surprised if even as I said that, there weren't things coming to mind right now. That your own fathers have spoken like misidentity things over you. Things that you've walked in and you're like, well, this is just who I am. Yeah, and, and, and your real father wants to break that junk off your life. He wants to break it off your life. He wants to speak new identity over you. He wants to speak truth over you that cancels out all of the crazy, that cancels out the path you've been walking in. And that's the thing. Some of you, I just, the, the, these, the, those who I'm speaking to right now, it's as if you've, you've, you've continued and you've like tried in your own strength and then you keep falling back. And what you're falling back into is the false identity. You know what you're falling back into? And you're tempted, as you fall back into it, you're tempted to kind of go, well, I guess that is true. I guess he's right. No, he's not right. No. Jesus don't buy junk. Jesus don't buy junk. Yeah, Father, this morning, I, 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 don't, know how to, I don't know how to do it. But I'm asking by your spirit that you would release identity over every single heart, but particularly those whose identity has been falsely accused. We lift up our pasts to you, even if that past was last week, and we ask that you would rewrite our, our, the, our perspectives and that you would align our hearts and our minds with you and your heart over us, your mind over us. Realign us, God, to your truth over who we really are. You know, our, our mistakes, they, if you've got a yes on the inside of you, our, like your mistake doesn't define you, doesn't disqualify you. You need to hear that this morning. It doesn't define who you are. He's already done that. It doesn't define who you are, and it doesn't disqualify you. Don't allow the enemy to kind of go, oh, it's this much and no further. I guess you've come as far as you can go because you continue to step into this. You'll never be anything more than a screw-up. No, that's the liar. That's not the Father's word over you. Amen? Yeah. I was reading this, this last week. It's 11-11. I should stop and pray. <laughs> uh, I was reading Colossians this last week in my own quiet time. And, you know, I honestly, it was funny how it worked because I had told the Lord, I said, man, I, I mean, maybe if you don't know, it's, it's, sometimes it's easy for a pastor to, you know, to get into, you know, I'll just say, I'll speak in the first person. It's easy for me to get into my quiet time. And my aim really is to meet with the Lord, but, but I accidentally end up meeting him for your sake and not my own. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, looking for a sermon or, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, what do you want me to speak on, Lord? What's the next series? And like, and that's not good, <laughs> but it's a temptation nonetheless. And so I, I kind of went before the Lord and I said, man, I'm, I'm going into my quiet time, Lord, but I don't want to be distracted by your people. 
you know, and, and, and the, in the sense in which I have a job to do and I want to partner with you to bless that. I, I just, I want to come into this time and I just want to, I just want to commune with you. I don't want to be distracted by what I need to do. I like, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming into my Bible reading and, and it's like, it's just me and you. Does that make sense? Like I was just, I was just cognizant of it. And in my regular readings, I happened to be in Colossians and, you know, the, the, the funniest thing happened. I got a little bit into Colossians chapter two or three, somewhere in there. You know, and all of a sudden I'm like, but that's a good sermon, Lord. Like, you know, I was like, I was so committed to come just have my own time with the Lord. And at the same time, I was like, wow, actually, this is the Easter message. Like, I, so I couldn't help, but like, it was okay. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I had the release of the Lord to do it. I'm just saying it was just kind of funny how it worked. I want to just read, uh, starting and just kind of excavate some truths here with this. Uh, it's chapter two, starting in verse nine. It says this. It says, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. I'm talking about a post-ascension reality here. And in him you have been made complete. How many of you know that the uncreated God in the form Jesus Christ came to this earth and put on a human suit for your and my sake? Isn't that the Easter message? That while he didn't have to do it, Like Jesus broke out of the perfect heavenly realm where everything was absolutely ordered, where everything was was fashioned in such a way as it brought honor to him. There were no lies. There was only truth. There's no sickness. There's only healing. There's there's no mourning. There's only dancing and, and rejoicing before. He is literally the light of the world in that place. Like nothing is contested there. He left that place to put on a flesh suit, to put on his creation. Imagine that. Reminds me of Men in Black. I think it's the first one where the alien comes and he puts on, uh, is it uh, Ed or Elmer or something? Anybody remember that? He's like, this suit stinks. I just think of that sometimes as it relates to Jesus putting on creation and just kind of going, wow, this is limiting. <laughs> and it says that when he, when he came, that Jesus doing what he did, that he actually completed you. Do you know that? Like, Jesus, like, there's, there's nothing more that I need to do. Like, do you understand that you don't need to actually prove your worth? I don't need to prove my worth to God. He already settled that. He already came. He already wrote the check. I, I don't need to prove my value to him. He knew it before he ever got into this, right? I don't need to prove my value to you. So that means that you don't actually need to perform for love anymore. Because love already broke into your world, and it says he made you complete. You don't have to perform for human affection. You don't have to perform for people liking you. You don't have to have people agree with you. You don't have to, to do all of the right things in your life. You don't have to work for your salvation. He did it for you. You just have to say yes. Right, you've, you've literally been made complete in him. It's so, uh, it's so powerful. I, I, I would say this, but it's not, as if, it's not as if we sit back and kind of go, well, thank you, Jesus, and then nothing changes. How many of you know, like, there are doctrines in the world right now that would say, well, uh, all roads lead you there. It's, you know, you can, you can get saved as long as you believe in Jesus, and you just continue to live like hell the rest of your life. Like, how many of you know that's not really the gospel message? You know, that the, the we're actually called to reciprocate in this love relationship. He said, there's, like, there's no greater love than one would lay down his life. He modeled that for me, but what is the, ex, you know, the expected standard? I'm supposed to reciprocate with my life laid down. See, but I don't do it out of obligation. I do it in a love response. 
I'm provoked. I'm, I'm, I'm moved out of, out, of a, out of love for what he did for me to lay my life down and turn. See, something changes even though I've been made complete, even though I don't have to work for my salvation, even though I don't have to get it right all the time. Something changes because I now have a master. I now have a Lord. Right? I have someone who's calling the shots. I don't have the ability, if I've accepted Christ, if I've said yes to him, I don't have the ability to continue to lead my own life anymore. My life was purchased by someone. I'm not my own. I'm his. At best, I'm a slave, but he exalts me to friend out of his mercy and kindness. But make, make no mistake about it, it's something significant changes and it even says here in that latter part of verse 10 it says and he's the head over all rule and authority you know that also means that he's the head over my rule and my authority that means he's the head over my life that he's the authority over my life that means that I can no longer be the God of my life That's the transaction. That's what we signed up for. So it's no longer about me and my comforts. I'm not at the center of my life anymore. It's not about my success. It's not about my calling. It's not about my destiny. It's not about what I will do for him. It's not about how much fruit I can produce. Like, it's not about how good I can be. It's just about him. It's just about him. That's it. Nothing else. And out of his gracious kindness towards us, when we can keep this relationship centered, when we can keep the blinders on and we go, yes, God, it's all about you and it's not about me, somewhere in the middle of that, he goes, and I'm going to make it about you too because I'm going to invite you on a journey and I'm going to press down things on the inside of you that you can only get when you're communing with me and I'm going to do so. I'm going to make you come alive like you've never come alive before. It's like I lay my life down to him to get life from him. It's not about me, it's about him. But then somehow he goes, and come with me. (laughs) And I'll bring life to you. Life and abundance. It's the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. At the end of the day, my allegiance, my allegiance is to him, to him alone. And listen to this, not to my flesh. My allegiance is not to my flesh. It's not to my comforts. It's not to my little pets. It's not to my pet peeves. My allegiance is to him and to him alone. I defer to him. I lay down my life for him and him alone. I exalt him and him alone. Listen to this as we continue. Verse 11 says, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. How many of you know what Old Testament circumcision is? I know that we've got children, so I'm not going to, you know, wade off too much into those waters. You know, but hopefully everybody gets the idea. It's, it is America after all. <laughs> all right, anyway. <laughs> yep. 
the Old, Old Testament circumcision was a, was a sign, in essence, of the covenant between God and Abraham many, many years ago. Right? It was something that he was to pass on to all of his descendants and all of the, if you will, the followers of Christ to actually denote a distinction between the Christ ones. I, obviously, I'm using New Testament vernacular because that's what we understand, okay? You know, but to, to draw a distinction between the Christ ones and the people of the world. Now, in the process, how many of you know that something was actually cut off? There was skin cut off of your body. Right? Something was actually cut, and something was removed from you. It's gone. Circumcision means that something was removed from you. So you are separated from it. It's, it's gone. Right now, I, I, don't, I don't know if you all have some weird mamas. or I, like, I don't even know. My mom pulled out some things from when I was a baby the other day. It literally freaked me out. I just like, I, just, I don't, listen, mom, I don't even know how anybody keeps that kind of stuff in a little drawer for 50 years. I don't understand that, you know. But, but I, I'm guessing probably what was cut off of you, help me out here, I'm guessing you're probably not still carrying it around in your pocket. Is that right? And I'm guessing, I'm just throwing this out there. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just want to ask you, I, I'm guessing probably, you know, you, you've never had an opportunity in your life to kind of go, you know, I, I, I think I'm done with it. I don't want to be circumcised anymore. I want to go back. And it, and it, so you probably never even had the thought. Nor is it possible, is it? Because something was actually physically removed from you. You can't go back. If you could, I mean, you want to, you could carry it around in your pocket, right? Okay, it's fine. But it's going to stink of death. Let that sink in just for a second. You could, try to, you could try to carry it around with you, but listen, you, if you were circumcised, were forever changed. You cannot go back. You will never look like you did before. You were forever ruined for the ordinary. You were forever changed. Something was removed from you. Now, if you want to be crazy and keep that stinky thing in your pocket, not only would that be very weird and odd, you know, it would reek of death. Now, listen, in the New Testament now, listen to what he's saying here. He's saying, you too. Now, on this side, he says, he's speaking metaphorically. He's saying, you were also circumcised. It's like, yeah, we get it. Like, we're, we understand with this process. Like, you were circumcised before, and in the Old Testament, it was to draw a distinction between God's people and the heathens. There was this, there's this, this contract, this, you know, this covenant that you were entering into, and this would mark that covenant, and it would draw a distinction between you and them. And in the same way, he's now saying metaphorically and spiritually speaking that you all have been circumcised you've been circumcised of heart. And in the same way that in the Old Testament it was meant to draw a distinction between you and unbelievers, I'm here to tell you this morning that in the New Testament that right now you who have been circumcised of heart, it was in the same way meant to draw a distinction between you and unbelievers even now in the New Testament. But what I need you to hear is this. Right in the middle of it, it literally says, in the removal of the body of flesh... So in the New Testament, he's saying that there was something that was actually removed from you in the same way as in the Old Testament where there was something that was physically removed from you, something that you could never go back to. In the same way in the New Testament, something was actually removed from you and you can never go back there again. Well, what, is, what was removed? What's he, 
What's he talking about? What is this, this flesh? Well, all throughout Scripture, the flesh it, it speaks uh, of, the, of the old sinful patterns in your life. It speaks of, of your old nature. You know, what, what's, what's nature? Like, what, what does that mean? Define that for me. Yeah, your, your nature is like the, the, the literal like computer programming on the inside of you that before the cross of Calvary was actually programmed to go towards sin and unrighteousness. So we, we all know in here, I, I would guess, maybe not, but that we were all born into the sin of Adam. Right? Every single person on the planet, when you're born, you're born into sin. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't, you don't get a choice on the matter. It's the, it's the issue of the fallen race. Okay, we were born into sin. We had a sin nature. That nature means that when you want your way, you demand it. How many of you saw your little sinners when you were raising them? Anybody with kids? I want a cookie right now! And you're like, oh my gosh. You know, oh, they're just immature and sinful. I mean, let's call it what it is. They're crazy little filthy sinners, and you have to beat it out of them. <laughs> A little bit of a joke. You guys got to look too excited about that over here. Need to read some Danny Silk material. Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're, all, we're all born into sin. It's the nature. We had a, a certain preset propensity on the inside of us to choose and partner with sin. Like, that's the way that our bent was. The bent of our heart was always to go that way. But listen, you've been circumcised, and it says that what was removed from you was actually this flesh. What's the flesh? It was my old nature. My old nature, just like the, the, the skin that was physically removed from me, my old nature, it says, was physically cut out. That you and I, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that, that something spiritually was cut out of us, that our old nature was actually removed out of us, that you and I, we are now new creation realities. There is something now that, that, that is, a, that is a, a harsh distinction between the people of the world and the people of God's house. Your nature has actually changed. You can no longer go back to it. You can't put on your old nature. It's impossible because it was removed from you. That's a hardcore distinction between believer and non-believer. Your very nature and essence has transformed. He's given you a new nature, one in his very own likeness. And this new nature is no longer prone to sin. It's actually prone to righteousness. Your new programmatic bent, like the way that your internal wiring is now not any longer because of the cross of Calvary. You are not bent towards sin. You are actually bent towards righteousness. And I would submit to you, that's what makes the, uh, a believer continuing to walk in a lifestyle of sin so much more troubling. Because now it's not your wiring, because those who we call sinners are going to sin. It's not your wiring anymore. Your wiring has been changed. Now you're just choosing it. I would say that's a whole lot worse when somebody's given provision to take care of those things. And, and, and that raises the question, doesn't it? Like, if our nature literally has been cut out and removed, and God has downloaded a brand new operating system, then why do believers still continue to struggle with sin? I would submit to you because it's hard work to renew your mind. 
See, when you, like, when you got saved, it, it, as, as miraculous as it was, it, it wasn't as if you were like pulled out of your old life and all of a sudden you had no more memories. Like the only thing that you can remember now is like your perfect, blessed, miraculous state that was prone to righteousness. It didn't exactly work like that. If you're like me, by the time you got saved, you had already established numerous terrible behaviors. You know, there were numerous things rattling around in your brain that were legit lies that you were believing about yourself, about the people that are around you, that needed to be dismantled at the cross, right? We actually need to not just have our nature rewired, but the way that we think has to be rewired. And honestly, what we're talking about is this, repentance. At the heart of repentance is changing the way that we think. See, we can change our nature, we can be prone to righteousness, but we have to begin the hard work of changing the way that we think if we're going to have victory over sin in our lives. We have to begin to think like he thinks. We have to repent of the old ways. We have to, as we started out this morning, keep the blinders on and his word in front of us. You know, to begin to meditate on, to repeat over, declare over our lives his way, his will, his word, and not all of the stuff that we see out there in the world. Consider this with me just for a moment. Think of all of the influences on your life this morning. Think of all of the voices outside of these walls, maybe inside. Think of all of the voices that are competing for your attention that are declaring things over you, that are trying to tell you how to think. Now, think of it like a percentage basis-wise. What percent would you say is the world trying to get you to think a certain way, believe a certain way, act a certain way? Like, what percent of the bombardment of all of the billboards and magazines and TV shows and social media, what percent of that would you say is is a worldly influence on your life? And, And what percent would you say on a daily basis is the truth of the Word of God being injected into your soul, mind, and spirit? Uh, is it safe to say that probably the, the, in the ratio scale that, that, the, that the, the onslaught of the world causes the kingdom influence in your life to pale in comparison? Uh, most people, they, they, they come, they maybe somewhat forget about God all week, and you come and you, you get to recharge your batteries. Thank you, Jesus, on a Sunday morning as you assemble together. But that's once a week. Maybe, maybe you read a passage in Scripture. Maybe you, maybe you even have a little bit of worship time. I would guess probably, though, that what you're doing pales in comparison, again, to the bombardment of, of the world coming at you and saying, mm, no, did God really say that? Is God really that good? Uh, maybe you should indulge your flesh. Maybe you should be the God of your reality. We're being bombarded by all of this stuff. And so I'm t- like, this is why it's so hard. Why do, why do Christians still continue to struggle with sin? Because most of us don't know anything but the kingdom of the world. That's how we were raised. It's all we've ever understood. And if we haven't taken the time to invest with intentionality and pain in the renewing of our minds, then we are going to continue to struggle. We're not going to have the victory that was promised to us on that cross. <laughs> it takes intentionality. It takes, it take, it's, like, it's like anything else in this life. You know, you, you want to you lose a little bit of weight? I mean, we all know how. 
unless we have a medical concern, we, we know the road to get there. I just don't want to say no to myself. I really like ice cream. And by the way, guys, barbecue potato chips are back in Walmart. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. If you didn't know, they're the best. It's just the best. You could probably tell. They are the best. Yeah, you know, it's like, I, I know the road to get there. I just don't want to because I want to indulge my flesh. That tastes better. It's more comfortable. It makes me feel better. Now, expand that to literally every area of our life. You know what? Spiritually, it's like, I want to sit down and read the Bible. I could just put on a, a movie. It's way more gratifying to my flesh. That other starts to sound like hard work. You know what? Relationships are hard work. But the fruit is worth it. The fruit in your own life, in your own soul, it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. And listen, it's it's one thing for us to say, I'm going to give my life as a martyr. It's another thing for me to say, I'm going to lay my life down daily for his sake. And part of that, honestly... Part of that is laying my life down in the form of disciplines, just the normal stuff that we all know. You know, eat right and exercise. Yeah, we all know the pathway. It's just as easy in the spiritual side of things. You actually have to open the binding of your Bible and ingest the words that are there. This is why it's so critical that we spend time meditating on God's word until I begin to actually say the things that he's saying. So that the next time the enemy goes, oh, you're not enough, I can stand and kind of go, you know what? I read something about this. (laughs) Turns out I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that means whether I'm enough or not, it doesn't make a difference. But how many of you know I need to know the word of God for me to be able to have that kind of a response? Why do Christians continue to struggle with sin when the word of God says that the the literal body of flesh has been circumcised out of you? you're born again, a new creation, that he's released a brand new identity and a brand new nature to you, why do we continue to struggle? Because we're not pursuing him. We're not pursuing intentional mind renovation. Pastor Misty talked about that a few years ago. Listen to this. Well, actually, looking at verse verse 12 again, he, he really just reiterates this. He said, we've been buried with him in baptism. You know, what is, so we're talking about, he's, 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 you know, anytime the Bible says something more than once, like, it's, it's pretty serious, like, you need to take note of it. Like, he's so serious about what he's saying that he's not just saying it twice, he's saying it two different ways to make sure that we get it. We've been buried with him in baptism. What does that even mean? Now, baptism is a, is a prophetic or an outward sign to the world that I have died with Christ. I am buried with him in baptism. That means that on that cross, when he had sin carrying literally on his shoulders, when he was beaten half to death, 85% to death, for my sake, for your sake, and when he was laid in that tomb, that I spiritually was laid in that tomb with him. I was buried with him in baptism. When he died, I died. When he died, the old man, the old nature, the old filthy sinner, the one who literally was going to do nothing with his life, he was laid down with Jesus in the tomb. That's what it's talking about here. And and, and when it talks about then the resurrection life, he's raised again to newness of life. Like how many of you know that God actually paid for you to have a brand new life? A brand new identity, a brand new reality, a brand new internal framework. 
You've been born again. You're, new, you're, you're, new crea- you're a new creation. You're something new. There's a massive distinction between you and your heathen friends. Now, maybe you can't see it all the time on the outside, but on the inside, you've been given a new framework, a new wiring. You've been born again. You have been raised again with him in newness of life. As he is in this world, so too are we. That's a big deal. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says this. Listen to this. This is so powerful. He says, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Skip to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Come on. That's a good day right there. That's a good day right there. You who Jesus paid for. You who have laid down your life and said, I'm in. He's literally rewritten your nature. You're no longer a slave to sin. Listen, he's worth it. Your life is worth it. Your spouse is worth it. Your parenting over your children is worth it. The legacy that you're meant to leave because a righteous man will leave an inheritance for his children, his children's children. You know, it's worth it. You're fighting for more than just you. When it's tough, like, the, the, like I feel like, like the, this is for somebody in here. Like the, the reason it feels so hard is because you are plowing ground for the generations. You are fighting for the generations that will come after you for their redemption. You are setting a mark in the sand. You are raising the bar for all of the generations that will come after you. So you're not just fighting a battle for yourself. You're fighting a battle for all of them. And you're like, why is it so hard? It's so hard because you're pulling three generations into victory and it's worth it. It's worth it. It'll be worth it. He's worth it. Your life is worth it. And your generations, they're worth it. They're worth it. I know it's painful. I know it's hard. I know it's easier just to check out and gratify your flesh. But he's worth it. You're worth it. Are you tracking with me? You are worth it. Listen to this when I wrap up the the Colossians section. But I'm going to do it in the Passion Translation, verse 13. He says... This realm of death, he's talking about being, being buried with him in baptism, the fact that we die, that's the reference there. This, this realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. You know where it talks about that we take up our cross daily? I believe this is exactly what it's talking about. I'm taking up my cross as a reminder, look at the stuff nailed on that thing. Look at the old man that's nailed on that thing. Listen, you can, you can carry that lump of flesh around, that lump of decaying flesh around metaphorically in your pocket. You can do that all you want, but you're going to reek of death. 
It's going to cause all kinds of problems for you. But listen to me when I say this. It doesn't mean you've reverted to your old nature. It just means you haven't renewed your mind. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be walking Captain Stinky America. I want to be walking fragrance of Christ. I don't want to carry that old dead man around with me. He's dead. I'm not going to resurrect him. But I don't want to carry a carcass around with me everywhere I go. I want to carry around the fragrance of life to life. I want to walk into a room and I want people to go, I think Jesus just walked in the room. Not as some sort of prideful thing, but as a reality that when I'm there, I so look like him that he's actually able to meet with people through me. Listen, I'll be the first, I don't mean to be self-deprivating, but I'll just be the first to tell you, like, if all you're getting is me, you're not getting much. Best day, I might be able to give you a good word that get you by a day. Jesus will give you life. I want to position myself so that he can flow with me and give you life. How about you? I don't want to carry that old man around with me anymore. It's not worth it. It's disgusting. It's not who I am. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. Listen, and don't allow the enemy to convince you otherwise. Don't allow the enemy to convince you otherwise. All right, let's pray. Father, we give ourselves to you to be just washed and cleansed by your word again this morning. We've heard a lot of your word. We're asking that you would wash over us, that you would restore us to our identity, especially in areas where we've chosen to partner with the enemy. We've chosen to partner with lies. We've chosen to disregard the work of your cross and to exalt the lie of the enemy over us instead. Where we have chosen to Well, you know what? Where we've thrown in the towel and just said, we don't think it's worth it. God, today we say, you're worth it. And like Hebrews says, Jesus, we come into our rest with you. The work of the cross eliminated enmity between you and me and us. We come into a rest in this God. We don't, we don't hear this message and come into striving, saying, yeah, I've got to do better. I've got to, I've got to work harder. I've got to. No, Jesus, we're not going to perform. We're going to rest in you. We're going to rest in our new identity. We're going to rest in our new wiring, our new uh, nature that's prone to righteousness. We're just going to let that prevail over us, God. You have empowered us. You've sent your Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us. We defer to your Lordship, God over every decision, over every thought, over every action. And we declare over our lives, your grace is sufficient for us. I'm reminded even as we close that of the Israelites, how many times did you hear God say to them, and I've given the enemy into your hand. What was he saying? He's saying the enemy's already defeated. It's already a done deal. I have already decreed it. It is so. And yet you understand that just the same, the soldiers still had to go to battle in faith and bring that word into fruition and victory. In the same way, the declaration over our lives has been made 
Jesus Christ has won. The devil is defeated. You've been given a new nature, but now it's time to pick up your sword and to go into battle in faith and to partner with that victory to see it fully realized in your heart and mind. We thank you for the grace to do that, God. We thank you for the empowerment that is available for us to conquer all forms of the enemy in our life, all forms of the, the old ghost, the old the nature, old habits and behaviors and thoughts that maybe want to still creep up. You've given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Right now, we receive it, we believe it, and we declare it over our lives. We have everything that we need for life and for godliness because you've provided it through your blood and your resurrection. And we thank you for it this morning, almighty God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.